0: Motown Rundown It is July 28th We are back In action another early morning recording For the Motown Rundown family We are off the heels Or on the heels of the 2021 NHL Entry draft And uh, we are on the eve Of the 2021 NBA Draft morale is high Eric Haas last night Grand slam top of the ninth. Miggy hits a single in the tenth to win it for the Tigers. So I got no complaints here on a Wednesday morning,
1: folks. How are you guys feeling? Stay up for that game? Yes. I did not. I was like devastated when I woke up this morning. Well,
2: admittedly, I was only up because I was moving stuff out of my apartment. But I, you know, I and we also don't have a TV. But I was following along on my phone. I wasn't watching. If that makes sense. I there's actually nothing uh, worse
1: when you wake up and there's like 70 messages in a group chat and you're like, <laughs> Oh no, I missed something. And hospital yard. I mean, that was sick. I went
0: downstairs in my underwear late last night. Cause it happened around like 11 o'clock. I'm usually, tr- I usually try to be in bed by 10, 10 30, but I had to, uh, I had to do something downstairs real quick. And I'm my brother and dad were watching in the family room and then, I didn't see it, but I heard it. I walk over. I had no idea. Admittedly, I had no idea the situation. The Tigers could have been winning by 30 runs, losing by, th- I had no clue. So I walk over and I, my dad's like, Oh my God, grand slam. And I'm like, cool. They're probably losing by one. Now tied it up. Didn't see Miggy's. Didn't see Miggy's hit to walk it off. But uh, did you guys see that, what they put in? I think it's like right center field or no. Was it left, left center? center? Yeah. Left center. The little, the Mickey counter, which is, which is yeah. sweet. I, I'm gonna catch Mickey's 500th home run by the way.
1: I said this in my chat I was like I'm gonna catch it and then keep it like they're gonna ask for a batch they go I just no won't give a bat yeah no
0: what what was that's a that's a good topic of discussion I know we don't have a ton of time today to, to for the chit chat but let's say in the event that you were to catch Mickey's 500th home run ball a what are you what are you doing with it are you keeping it are you giving it back and B what are your demands?
1: All be, be honest. It. Is a kiss on the lips from Miggy? Okay, um, come on, get it. I'm kidding. kidding Reel it want. in. I would Reel give it in. back.
2: I'd give it back if he mentions me in his Hall of Fame speech. How's that? Just
1: that is too much.
2: He won't do that. He barely speaks English. Let alone exactly. So who, to- it, it would go right over everyone's head. Just mention my name, and everyone. Would like, I feel Whoa. like I'd
1: be like, "Hey, can I sit in a dugout for like a weekend series?" <laughs> <laughs> like just like give me a uniform. Out. Like you could just say I'm a bench coach. And dude, I'm just the, chilling with the fellows, spinning seeds.
2: The thing is, Collins, you have big bench coach vibes. I didn't realize that
1: you'd be a great bench coach. Dude, it's like my dream to be a baseball bench coach. I don't know what they do. Yeah. They're
0: still coaches. Like they still, they're
1: still. No, no, no. I know the they game. like hit. Yeah, yeah Rabs, Rabs
2: they is like, speaking. Rabs is speaking as a bench coach for the No. They
0: hit fungos. They're out. they out there yeah, before you, the game. You just,
1: You're just hitting fly balls, and then you're just chilling, like chewing bidly chew and spinning seeds and being a morale guy. It's awesome.
0: Do you think it would be? Do you think it would be possible? If I I don't know, there's no way this would ever happen. But how awesome would it be if you were to catch the ball and be like, the only thing I want, sign me to a one day contract, put me in right field for one pitch? They wouldn't do
1: that. That's like the thing.
0: I feel like. Well, I know it's like it's ridiculous, but at the same time, it's like you
1: really want the ball.
0: Just give remember? me one
1: pitch. I remember this is a really long time ago. Do you guys remember when Arod hit like his six hundred? Might have been his five hundred or six hundred, but the guy would not get it back. Do you remember that?
2: They,
1: and they, they, they had to pay him like ten grand. I, like I do. I do remember. No, how that? about okay. I'm pretty sure Zach Zach Hampel,
0: the fall the foul ball guy. I don't know if we're talking about the same thing, but the, but the guy, you know, the guy that's famous for catching yeah, foul balls, the, guy, the, the White Sox guy, yeah. Yeah, he he caught one. I don't know if it was one of Jeter's or if it was a Rod's, and he was like, "I'm keeping this ball." And then everyone started to shit on him online. And then eventually he settled for some. I don't know what I don't know what the deal was. There was I think Jeter's three thousandth hit. The guy was cool about it. He was just like, "All I want is to like like give me tickets for the rest of the year or whatever." I would say if I that's if a I good catch, deal, I would do that. If I catch Miggy's five hundredth home run, I just think that's one of those things that's so amazing in bait like one of those milestones to where it's like yeah it would be great to keep the ball and do that that ball could give could bring probably some like keeping it though you're not yeah i know but i'm saying like that ball could probably bring you some some really good money if you were just to sell it you know so i don't know if in the moment if I was offered money for it, I probably wouldn't say no. But I would say my only thing that I would want to do is, like, can I please give this to Miggy himself? Like, I want to meet him and shake his hand and say, like, Miggy, here, like, congratulations. You're the, the guy.
1: The yeah, it's, yeah. It's not, Miggy, it's, I, it's, I did it's not it. A va- <laughs> it's not a baseball legend. It's Ryan Rabinowitz. Congratulations, yeah. Miguel Cabrera, on your 500th home run.
0: I make it all about me. Then I go on my media tour. Like, I do yeah. it on live TV. I hand it over to him in a press conference.
1: Now That's that what I, I want to do. It, like, I, like, I would probably ask for. I'm not going to like ask for a ton because, like, like you said, Ravs, as a baseball purist, like, yeah. I, I get what's going on. But, like, I feel like asking for tickets the rest of the year and stuff like that and a couple other perks would not be a bad deal. Well, yeah, because like, you could also you sell know the. you're tickets. getting fleeced regardless. Like, I don't think. like. Unless you're a complete, like, jack wagon and you're like, I'm not, sell- I'm not selling this ball, I'm keeping it, or, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's no reason with you. I feel like you get tickets for two to three years if you really think about the value of a 500, like, home run ball.
0: Well, that's why I think I'm pretty sure, and I'm I'm saying this with such little information, but yeah, I, know I think you. I think the conversation probably goes when you have the ball. It's like, okay, what do you want? You know, like I think they that's how I think they come come out and negotiate is like, what do, what do you want, and then we'll try to meet you halfway. So if you're like, I want season tickets for the rest of my life, I want to like I I want to sit in the dugout, like all these different things. I I also too might might be like. I want to give the ball to Miggy and like give me and my buddies like one day to like play on the field. Like I want to, I want to be able to use the field
1: for BP. Dude, I would love to hit BP in Comerica. I would just get embarrassed, but I would love to do it.
0: Well, I guess that's that's a good pipe dream. But hey, 495 homers for Miggy. So
1: the thing, whenever the 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 Tigers left field.
0: Whenever the Tigers come back to town, I might just have to get one nosebleed ticket for every single game. But I want to sit in the
1: outfield. That's the thing. What's it called? The thing is sick, though, like the load, like the counter. I think they did that with Ken Griffey when he was on the Reds too.
0: Well, I, this is just my my final thing here about Maggie. Is just th- this has now given. I mean, especially with that, like you want to be as, as surface level as the seeing the counter in left in left center. Like the Tigers now have juice and like for the next couple months until Miggy gets there. like Every time well, yeah. he comes They've up to bat, juice. it's like, all right, here we go. I mean, they have juice regardless, I guess, because they're not, I mean, they haven't been playing great that. That win was a must win last night after they tied that game up against the twins. But there's juice. I'll be back. Yeah, dude. I'll, I'll be back. Uh, to the cope, Royals
1: on. is absolutely just steamrolling all dreams. I had. Yeah, that was tough.
0: Um, tough for sure to come off of that that high of of playing so well and then you just lay an egg but um I guess for the sake of the show today as I mentioned we will talk NHL entry draft results we will talk uh NBA draft I guess we'll we'll table the Tigers deep dive for another time I know the trade deadline's coming up and there's a lot of things moving I could honestly see the Tigers moving nobody that's just what it feels like right now is the only guy that's really coming up is, is Jonathan scope. And it sounds like the more and more that I read into it and uh, it, the more it sounds like they're
1: just going to keep them and extend there them. I mean, unless man, the price is that high, I don't think there's been that much buzz either around it. Like any Tigers play like every year when they were sellers, you're like, okay, Justin Wilson's gone. Like, know what I mean like they, they, it was like a fat, like he just got except. traded again from New
0: York to uh Cincy.
1: But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's always like when you're in that position, you're like, okay, certain guys are moving. I'm not really certain if they're going to move Cisnero. I'm not certain they're going to move Fulmer. So it should be interesting as that deadline comes up.
0: Yep. Um, let's go into the NHL entry draft here. Uh, obviously, last time we talked, uh, we talked the Seattle Kraken and taking and Dennis Chalowski. Um, and now we get into the NHL entry draft. Um, so. Red Wings on the clock at six. Uh, when we spoke, I told you my two guys were uh, Eklund and Edvinson. And Eklund somehow, after seeing so many mock drafts of him going as high as two, um, Eklund falls to you at number six. And they decide to go with the D-man, Simon Edvinson. Six foot four. Um, he played 10 games in the SHL last year, which is, again, as people probably hear me say Simone that. Is or Simon. Simon. And people, people probably have no, I'm sorry. It is Simon. People probably have no idea what I'm talking about. When I say the SHL that is Sweden's top pro league. So I believe he was playing in the top junior league um, for a, for a bit over there and then bumped up to the, to the, uh, I believe he played for Frolunda too, which is where like Raymond came from. And and this Dower Nelson, I think came from as well, that uh, the wings ended up taking in, in a, in a later round, but, I, I would say, as far as that pick is concerned, again, I told you guys last week, that I, I would not be surprised if they went Swedish, and essentially you get what Steve Eiserman felt was the top defenseman in the draft, outside of Owen Power, who obviously went number one. So, um, if you're Steve Eiserman, I think that you're probably elated because you hear in his press conference, and and, and you know he he. Says it all the time. As far as you, you build a winning team here from the net out, and that's a that's a philosophy that I 100% subscribe to, um, and you see that with the Wings' next pick in the first round, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but but you get a you get a D-man here at six foot four with a great frame. That's a terrific skater. Um, he he's got pretty good offensive upside, which when you get a guy that big is always a plus to have. But I think the the reason why. It was a no brainer for eyes for Iserman to even take him over Eklund is just because the presence that he'll bring on the back end. And again, I don't mean to repeat myself, but you win from the net out. So to sure up your decor now, I think that this was a very solid pick. Um, People, there's a lot of questions about like what, what his ceiling is for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if he has much more room to grow. Um, But you know, Eiserman said it was the best pick for them at six. I think William Eklund's gonna be a hell of a player in the NHL. He ended up going number seven after Edvinson was taken. Um, so I think that's a great pick there. But to to sure up your defense and, and to load up on defensive prospects and 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 roll the balls out with that, I think is was the smart way to go. So a good pick there. The wings end up trading up from their spot at 23. Um, to all the way to 15. And they take the first goalie of the draft. And as we were talking about for the longest time, Jesper Walsh, was the number one goalie in this draft out of Sweden. And I would say that the, the reason why is because he did play in that top Swedish league as an 18 year old last year, and he played pretty damn good um, or pretty damn well. So once you come up to 15, I think the immediate thought was, okay, the goalies are still on the board. So this is going to be a goalie. Um, and for me, I thought the Jesper Walsh, that was a lock, but we start to hear, you know, all Andre Vasilevsky comparisons, you get the six foot six goalie. I believe that Iserman traded up in the first round as well to get Vasilevsky when, uh, when, when he was the GM in Tampa, but this kid, Sebastian Cosa, six foot six, he was 17-1-1 one one in the WHL last year, 0. 0.57 goals against average and 0. 0.941 save percentage in 19 games um, with Edmonton of the Western Hockey League last year. My God, I mean, every, every time you read about this kid, you always see things like franchise goalie, potential franchise changing goalie. That's, that's what comes up incredibly technically sound and just his size and and I think the the appeal Wallace that was always talked about as being like this smooth operator like you know he's he's always calm you know he he you can't really phase him and then you know Kosa is just like he's this big athletic freak that can move all over the place and his frame I mean again I don't know as an 18 year old how much more room he has to grow but that was the first thing that came up was Vasilevsky. And to make that comparison is unfair to this kid because Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the NHL right now. I would, I would, I would tell you pretty confidently. So, um, but just a great pick that you now, that's a setup to where, Hey, goalies take some time to, to, to develop. And I know you get guys like Carter Hart that come in the league every now and then at like 19, 20, Spencer Knight, the same type of thing. So is Sebastian Kosa going to be that guy for the the Red Wings? I don't know. I hope so. It'd be nice. But with the fact that you bring over Alex Adelkovich, I think that you are uh, you're in more than than good hands right now. And the Wings, too, you know, people people forget that they do have some some draft, some draft prospects or, or some young goalie prospects rather that are, that are in the system. Um, I know a couple of them have not signed their entry-level deals yet, but whether it's Jan Bednar or this Carter Gielander, I believe is his name that they drafted, I think last year in one of the later rounds. So there's some goalies that are around. It's just a matter of, as I said, it, it takes time for these guys to develop and, you know, don't be surprised if you don't see him for a couple of years, it sounds like Simon Edmondson, depending on, on where you're reading, there are people that think he can be up here as early as like this year. Like I am sure he'll obviously be at, be at rookie camp. And I'm sure he'll probably get an invite to training camp if, if all goes well, but for whatever reason, there's people that think he can be, he can play in the NHL this year, probably just because of his size and his skating ability can, can get you pretty far. I know his shot is a concern. He doesn't necessarily have an NHL ready shot from the blue line, but, um, but two good picks from the first round. Um, I, I won't bore you with going through every single pick the Red Wings had. Um, they pick again at 36. I think they, they moved up again like two spots. Um, at 36, take the I think it's Shea Booyam is the way that you, and that's going to be a hell of a name to say for years to come. Shea Buyam or Shai Buyam, whatever the hell, how you say his name, um, from the USHL. But another guy, like you, you look at, you look at the the breed of defensemen that, that Eiserman takes. This guy's six foot three and you know, what's, what are his upsides? Very mobile for his size. Very good skater can jump in the play offensively and, and, You know, again, you you look at everything that was built in Tampa Bay that just won you two cups in their defensive core. So the trend continues. Carter Mazur comes in round three. He's a Michigan kid, which is awesome. Um, Red Savage, which is, again, another name. Great names in this draft for the Red Wings. Red Savage comes over from the U.S. NTDP. Um, So they go back-to-back forwards there. Uh, Then you take Liam Dower Nielsen from the uh, SHL as well. Again, playing for Frolunda, that seems to be a Red Wings factory. Oscar Plandowski comes over another defenseman in the fifth round. And then your last pick of the draft in round six, Pasquale Zito. Um, the Ontario Hockey League obviously did not play last year. So, you know, he essentially missed a whole year of hockey, but um, 13 points in 46 games uh, in Windsor um, for him. But, you know, the, the, the scouting report on him is, is a forward as an energy guy. Um, and you know, you always need guys that are energetic and can bring some sandpaper to your lineup. So overall, I would say the draft grade for me, I would definitely go, gosh, I would probably say B plus, um, and, and just for the sake of, you know, you're not, not able to see a lot of these guys play because of the COVID year. Um, and, and you know, it, it's, I just think as, as far as drafting on need, you know, you, you go pretty relatively defensive heavy, um, you get your goalie, which is fantastic. Um, And now the the trick is going to be who can you develop from the back end and and you need to eventually add some pieces up front. So um, all good, all good on my end. I don't think there were any things where I'm scratching my head. They did, they did move picks a lot. And that's one of the things that I've noticed with Iserman is when he loads up on these picks, you don't necessarily expect him to, to use all of them more so as they're just, you know, sweeteners and deals to move up and go get the guys that, that he wants so i would say that you know to have a gm that that really is confident about who he wants and and is pretty dialed in to where guys might fall and where they might go as far as teams behind them um all good there i do want to mention Three free agent signings um that the Red Wings made, or I guess I shouldn't say free agent signings, more of guys that are coming back. Um, Gustav Lindstrom signs a two-year extension. I'm not entirely positive on the money on that. I should have looked that up. That's on me. Um, but no brainer there. Two two years for him, I think, is a solid deal. And in two years, you know, he could plateau and and just be, you know, whatever. And and then I think you have to make the decision of, well, we have guys coming up the ranks. Do we move on or do we get to keep him for cheap Um, or best case scenario? He gets two years of, of improving and you extend him and keep him here as a pillar of, of your defense. Obviously he was, he was uh, protected over, over Dennis Chalowski. So that's got to tell you something about Steve Eiserman's confidence in him. So that's all good there. Taro Hirose comes back on a one-year deal. Taro Hirose, I believe, is 25 years old because he was one of those guys that comes out of college. Hobie Baker um, legend. Yes. should have. I mean, I that's in my eyes, could have won it. That's snubbed. But to, 24, 25 years old for Taro. I think it was a good move for the Wings just to give him one more year. I don't know, especially with Raymond coming and Valeno, I don't, and I'm sure Svechnikov is going to get much more time playing with the big club. I don't know how much Taro is going to get a chance to play with, with the, with the wings more so the Griffins, but you know, give him one more deal is kind of a prove it year. And that's another guy too, where it's like, where do we stand at the end of this year? Give him another chance to prove himself as a guy that has tremendous playmaking ability. Um, and, and so all good on that front. I think we talked about the Rasmussen three year extension last week. I'm pretty sure if not, Rasmussen gets three more years. I think that was like around 1.2-ish million, which you know, that's a guy that's not a Steve Eiserman guy. So, you know, for for Eiserman to have the confidence in him, and it looks like based on who they're going to be bringing up, it looks like Jonathan Bergen's probably going to make the team out of camp or, or get a shot to play in the NHL this year. So add that as another guy that can play up front. So it looks like there's a chance that Rasmussen might move to the wing and just be that big power winger that Anthony Manta, we tried to be, but he's, you know, plays too much of a perimeter game to really fill that role. So I wouldn't be surprised if they move Ras to the wing, um, but obviously he can play up the middle uh, as a center and that's what he was drafted as. So, um, he, he's back on a three-year deal. The last move uh, to mention, Mark Stahl comes back on a one-year deal for $2 million. Probably probably a move that had a lot of people scratching their heads. For me, I look at it as this. You, you bring back another veteran presence. Mark Stahl obviously does, does not have the game that he once did before he got injured, and he's obviously on the older side of things. So to go from his five-whatever salary to 2 Um, was a no brainer. And even to me, I think two is a little steep, but you bring him back to be a mentor for guys like cider and Lindstrom. Um, I know Harona could probably be labeled as a veteran or at least close to it by now. So not so much on that front, but I think stall and Stetcher was a really solid pair for the wings last year that are probably going to be your, your what? third pair this year. Worst case worst case scenario. I mean, for a third defensive pair between Stahl and Stetcher, I would say that Dude, they were more than fine. I,
1: I was shocked to see that we re signed Mark Stahl. Every month well, I watched last year, I was like, this guy needs to retire. Like I
0: I but the thing is too is is that's that's a guy that probably understands that coming back for one more year it's like hey man there there's going to be games where you're just gonna, not going to be in the lineup like and I, I think he's probably fine with that you can scratch him he can be your 7th D if you want to roll 7 um on any given night and you got to think too Danny Kaiser has you know injury problems I don't know what his health status is for his last year if his deal um So, you know, to bring back a veteran guy like that, that that can help mentor, you know, Sider and and, and Lindstrom and and just be a a depth piece, although he doesn't bring that much to the table anymore, understandably. Um, And again, worst case scenario, can you flip him for a pick at the deadline? Who knows? Um, But he comes back. Free agency opens up, I think, later this week. Um, so I'm sure there's going to be some more things going on. There's been moves all over the NHL. Mark, Mark Andre Fleury gets absolutely backstabbed by Vegas. He gets traded to Chicago. Now he might hang him up because he's bitter. Um, you know, the Phillies making moves. There's there's so many moving pieces, and there's still you know Dougie Hamilton's a guy to keep eyes on. I don't think the the Wings will be a player for him as far as free agents, but. It's an exciting time in the NHL right now with the expansion draft, the entry draft, and it's, it's been a busy off season so far. So I think the wings have done, have done a pretty, pretty damn solid job um, with Steve Eiserman at the helm so far. No complaints. I hate to be one of those guys that just every move he makes, I just kiss his feet, but so far so good. I think this, again, you're going to see cider. You're going to see Raymond um, next year. So um, the buzz is building, but with that, I will move on to the Pistons who are on the clock at number 1 tomorrow um, Thursday the 29th is the NBA draft um, Trent Collins I can turn it to you guys all I all I have to say on this is all the treatment that Cade Cunningham has gotten in Detroit with he comes to the Tigers game they're chanting his name he just signs a deal with Nike You know, he says he wants to be here and maybe that's just because, you know, he wants to be the number one overall pick. I don't know. But the fact that I have to sit here every day and read the, the Pistons aren't so sure about it. I, you just need to tell me what's going on because I think again, you know, I'm not, I'm not the GM of the Pistons. So if Troy Weaver can pull off some miraculous trade, as I said last week, if you're going to stay at one, the pick needs to be Cade. If you're going to move out of the spot and the package is that good, then I guess I have to shake your hand and commend you. But what's what's going on? Are they really are they really about
1: to punt on this guy? Uh, No, I don't think they're punting. I think they're – I mean, if they were going to take any – I mean, we talked about Shea Gilgis-Alexander possibly being a target for the Pistons, and it was reported that, that OKC offered the Pistons six and Shea Gilgis-Alexander – and they declined. Cut I think it. that kind of just says what they think of Cade and whoever they're taking at one, even if it's Mobley or if it's Green, that they're, like, not willing to, like, give up. I don't know. I feel like they, they're they more realistic about their timeline than what I thought they possibly would be. But, I mean, like, me and Trent have been talking about just take Cade, take Cade. It's an easy thing to do. Um. I think we were talking about before we started recording. If they took Mobley, I wouldn't be pissed. I would not be mad. If they took Jalen Green, I might – I don't know what I would do. I would probably start crying.
2: Well, here's the thing. I've got a little Ryan Rabinowitz, uh, Red Wings-esque little spiel, Um, and that's about all – like it'll be all my thoughts on this whole situation that I want you guys to get in here. But you guys, I think, both hit the nail on the head. I think Troy Weaver has the easiest decision of his life. Tomorrow night, I don't think there's any reason to even think outside the box and pick anybody but Cade. Uh, and if they do pick anyone but Cade, I'll be down bad. Don't call, don't text, just send your prayers because it's going to be a rough night <laughs> over here. um I, I want to look. I want to zoom out for a second. After the Dan Campbell hire and the Spencer Turnbull no hitter and the unbelievable trade rabs that the Wings just made, and they're making great moves. Oh yeah. Why is oh yeah, man, I have been so optimistic. We're so, back. We're so this. back about this and the Pistons getting the number one pick is the best thing out of all four things that I just mentioned. So that, that made my fucking year. Jalen green will be good, but I'm not trying to be the first team to pick a G league guy. Number one. Sure. I like Evan Mobley Collins. I agree with you. Like I, I wouldn't be devastated if they picked him, but he's a big, you know who the best two bigs are in the league right now. Nikola Jokic, who just won an MVP and then got swept by the by the Phoenix Suns. Giannis. No, no, <laughs> no, by elite guard play, and then Joel Embiid, who outplayed Giannis is a big. Yeah, but he doesn't play like one. He's like a he's ball dominant. He brings the ball up the floor and stuff. No, he's Joel. big. He's not a big. He's
1: just big. Joel Embiid. Defensively, he's a bit, whatever. Okay,
2: Embiid just got outplayed and eliminated by Trey Young, who somehow didn't even make the all-star team this year. Different issue. Point being, I'm not sold on bigs in the NBA anymore. I'm just not. I say that to say this. This league is completely built on combo guards and versatile forwards. Look at the top five guys in the NBA. It's LeBron, it's KD, it's Giannis, it's Kawhi, when healthy, whatever. So the proof is right here, okay? Draft the guy you can play one through four. That's Cade Cunningham. I know I'm being paranoid because the Pistons are probably like 99% going to draft him. I think the odds right now are minus 10,000 in Vegas that Cade goes number one. To put that in terms for people who don't bet, which if you don't, you should. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. but No, do what you want. Don't look at the trend. Do whatever you want. You got to bet a grand to win $10 that Cade Cunningham doesn't go, or yeah, doesn't, whatever. So this is just, this is your opportunity for Troy Weaver. Like the Tigers had a couple number one picks, right? In our lifetime, but it's not the same because you got the farm system. And yeah, the Lions have had like Stafford and Calvin and Sue and Okuda in the top three, but it's like it. basketball is so star driven. I saw LeBron drag J.R. Smith, Jordan Clarkson, Tristan Thompson to the finals. So it, it, there is no realistic package that I would take. You know, Collins, I know you brought up the SGA thing because it, it, it was a legitimate rumor, I guess, but there's no way in hell that I'm taking that. And I'm glad the Pistons declined. And I, I, this is kind of my last thing. The Pistons are an insanely unique situation. And I talked about this a little bit in our season wrap-up, but the Pistons just displayed the most successful and savvy tank job in the, in the young history of the art of tanking. You got two all-rookie guys in Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, You've got a coach of the year who signed an extension because he wants to be here. You've got an all-star caliber guy in Jeremy Grant. You've got unreal free agents, Diamond in the Rough, Josh Jackson, Tyler Cook. Adding Cade to that mix is such a no-brainer. The only reason I could see Troy Weaver picking outside of Cade is because he's listed as a point guard, and you got Killian number seven last year. But I'll tell you what, if you're doing that, you're thinking way too hard because here's the thing. Cade isn't tied down to the point at all. And if you watch one Oklahoma state game, you know that Uh, this league is built on versatile wings. I've said it. It bears mentioning again, Killian's a pure selfless point guard. He's got great defensive skills. He's His jumper needs a little work Collins. I know we've talked about that, but Cade on the other hand is like a solid passer, high IQ ball dominant, but he's a score first guy. So the way I see it is you put him at the three with Sadiq Bay or vice versa. And, and a starting five of Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Cade Cunningham, Jeremy Grant, and Isaiah Stewart. And then your first three guys off the bench are Josh Jackson, Mason Plumley, and Saban Lee. That to me is a playoff team. I want your guys' thoughts, but the ceiling for that team is a five seed. And the floor is like an eight or nine. Like play in tournament just got announced yesterday that it's happening again. So I'd, I'd put a good amount of money on the Pistons making the playoffs in 2022 if they pick Cade Cunningham. And, and, and that's just kind of, that's kind of my spiel. So I want your guys' thoughts – I think it's the easiest decision Troy Weaver will have, and he's done an exceptional job so far in Detroit. If he screws this up, it will almost throw everything out the window, in my opinion.
1: I think you're right where it's just like a watershed moment for the – like for the rebuild at least because it sets you back because you're probably not – you're not going to get the first pick in the draft barring something unbelievable in the next like two to three years. Like I think next year – Try, I, I've kind of pulled back on the thought that the Pistons are going to make the playoffs. Like, I did see them competing for a 10 seed since they, they just announced that the playing tournament's going to be a thing again next year. Like, I did see them playing for that. But, like, I don't know. It's kind of hard to believe a team that had the third, the second worst record in the league is just going to turn it around. And I know they tanked and stuff like that. I still think they have, like, big depth issues. But they have some nice players. I mean, they just re – do you just see they re-signed, I think, Hamadou and – Frank Jackson. Uh, to, and who?
2: Frank Jackson. Right. I, I love Frank Jackson. Right. Qualifying offers, so they're going to be restricted free agents. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean, that I there's still a lot of roster movement with this team that is yet to happen. Um. So I don't I don't know about the playoff things, but you're right. Like it's like you have it, it's kind of it's weird because in 2004 when the Pistons said Darko, you could look at that and just say, this is a watershed moment for the That's 10 years. And they ended up being a, probably the best team consistently in the NBA for the next five years anyway, just because of the core they already had. But, like, you could argue if they made the right pick there and found, like, a Chris Bosh or you pick Melo, they, their windows open for a little bit longer. But, I, I mean, I agree with you, Trent. Like it, because, like, even you made really nice picks with Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Stewart, and, and you've seen stuff out of Killian Hayes. If you mess this pickup, it's just kind of like, uh, like, like, what are we doing here? We There was supposed to be three elite guys at the top of the draft, and we took Jalen Green. We took a huge swing and miss on a guy like Jalen Green. Or we took Evan Mobley, a guy who I don't think wants to be in Detroit, even though that he is a very talented guy. So, yeah, I, I mean, you got to take Cade. I think they're going to take Cade. I think it's been really weird, though. The like, I this is why I the one thing that bugs me about NBA analysts and just NBA in general no one who watches the NBA watches college basketball, like, they just don't. And it's like (laughs) really bizarre to me, like, it's like bizarre. They're like, Yeah, they're playing these weak competitions and stuff like that. I'm like, Yeah, college basketball is not the best product. Yes, that these guys are playing against like bums. Right. It, also, it,
2: the Big 12 was like the best conference in basketball last year. It, just,
1: it really bothers me where it's like, yeah, man, the, the G League, he's playing, against man, the competition is just so much better. Jared Jack is like 38 playing with Jalen Green on that team. I get it. <laughs> he's playing with men and better competition in the G League. But they're acting like that that college basketball is like some, like they're playing in like li- Libya, or like Lafayette, that's what the competition is like. It's not that bad. It really right. isn't. And it's more, to be honest, it's more competitive than yep. any of those other leads. It just is. And it just bugs me when people in the NBA are just like, oh, yeah, college basketball, it's a watered-down product. will never be like it was in the 80s. Yeah, I understand that the best prospects aren't staying three to four years anymore. But I'm just so sick and tired of when people are analyzing the NBA drivers, like, well, this guy's been in the been playing in college for two years and and really hasn't figured it out yet. It's still a development like process and you can develop after like going to college for four years. You could look at a guy like Bryn Forbes who just rejected, I think a qualifying offer and is now an unrestricted free agent because he thinks he's going to get paid more for a guy who couldn't even dribble in college. And I'm pretty sure you got drafted when he was like 23. So I'm just, I'm just so sick and tired of like the weird, like guys who just like don't watch college basketball. And then they do all this NBA scouting things and and are like, well, I I don't like what he does in the pick and roll. I don't like what he does here. Like guess what? I've watched a lot of Kate Cunningham games last year. There was times in the game where he just like was not assertive or he wasn't making the right move. But the last three minutes of the game, when it actually matters in college basketball, he would make big plays here in and here out. I just, I, I hate the stupid comparisons. It's like, well, how is this going to work in the NBA? How is it going to be high pick and roll? It's not like that. The lane is more congested in college basketball, and you have to adjust in different ways. And if you watch it, Kate Cunningham did that, and a lot of other guys did that. Evan Mobley did that. Like, it just buds me. Like, Davion Mitchell from Baylor, he's going to drop way too late. He's going to drop way too late. Everyone's been knocking like he's going to the Warriors at seven because he could play right now. Wherever he goes, he's going to be good. Like, if you watch college basketball and you know sports, he will be good at the next level. It just buds me that everyone in the NBA who has some sort of opinion doesn't watch college basketball at all. I just, like, don't get it. And, and, and they're just saying, yeah, it's just it's such an inferior – it's not. It's not. I can actually watch a regular season game, and it's actually competitive most of the time. I'm just so sick and tired of this NBA hierarchy over college basketball. I get it. It's a better product. Guess what? Watch college basketball w- once every, like, not just for one month out of the year, and then you can talk. Like, I don't need to hear Bill Simmons tell me how bad college basketball is when he watches the last two weekends of the NCAA tournament. It just buds the shit out of me.
2: Great points, oh. Collins. Rabs, before you go, I wanna I wanna respond to a couple of things, Colin, yeah. because I think they're important. Real quick. Number one, the reason I think the Pistons can compete for the playoffs next year, and I I would actually go as far as to say they'll make the playoffs next year, is because when you look at this conference right now, obviously you got the Bucks, Nets, and Sixers. That's the top three. After that, dude, it's the Atlanta Hawks, it's the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, who are an absolute dumpster fire, the New York Knicks. The Washington Wizards, like these, are the teams that were in the play-in in the in and in, in the playoffs this year. So, like, I would absolutely put the Pistons in that tier. Like, look what the Atlanta Hawks just did. They didn't even go to the bubble last year, and then this year they go to the conference finals. You can turn it around like that with good coaching and a young core. And I just think that's what the Pistons have right now. Um, and yes, you're exactly right, Connors. They tanked. Number two, this is not 2000. What was last year? 2020 with like when you don't have a consensus number one, right? Like Tim Yeah. Anthony Edwards was kind of like the guy, everyone kind of knew it, but there was talks about Wiseman and there was talks about LaMelo ball. This is like a Zion situation. I'm not saying Cade is Zion. I'm just saying it's like everyone knows that Cade Cunningham is the best player in this draft. So if you don't pick him, because you're doing some ass backwards mental gymnastics. And Troy, listen, Troy Weaver, I'm not insulting his intelligence or his ability as a general manager because he's unbelievable. And he will get this right. Just just pick Cade. That's, that, that's, literally, that's it. That's literally it. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up, just because we should do this, there are two rounds in this draft, and the Pistons do have a second-round pick. I would look for a backup big. Uh, in, in the second round just try to try to bol- bolster up that front court a little bit because I'm not a Mason Plumley guy I liked the flashes we saw from Tyler Cook but I just think you're so rich with wings and guards right now you got Saban Lee and Killian Hayes at the point and then you've got Josh Jackson coming off the bench playing the two and the three Sadiq can play the two through four Cade will be able to play the two through four so I just think you're going to have enough help there you know you got Frank Jackson Hammy Diallo the list goes on so I would look for a backup big in the second round, and those are basically my entire thoughts on this draft.
1: Well, they have I don't know if it's this year or next year where they have like don't they have like two or three set around picks?
2: Maybe Dude, I, I this is terrible journalism. I haven't even I don't even care. Like I haven't even looked. It, it's, no no, it's but you know
1: I, I like I don't even care, what no it says. they the thing about the pisses they have like you said, they have a depth of wings and stuff. And, like, there's a lot of interesting moves to be made with Frank Jackson, and Hamidi Diallo and guys like Josh Jackson, who I think last year you saw – like, Josh Jackson, like, last year proved to me that he could play, like, legit NBA minutes on a good team. Yep. I don't know if it's going to be in, like, a starting role like it was last year, but, like, he proved that he wasn't just, like, some – the third overall pick and it's just never going to work out. Like, he's – he can play. Like, he plays hard defensively, and he's not a zero on the offensive end. I actually think – He's a plus, to be honest. But, like, just he can create for himself, and you give him a wide-open three, he can knock that down. I would be interested to see if they're willing to move any of those guys and possibly move back into the first round, Trent, to get another big. And and I don't have a specific guy out there, but it's kind of like what Rab says about the Tigers pitching. There's just so many guys right now for the Pistons that they just kind of, like, can't really pay all of them. Like, I mean, they got Josh Jadson in a steal last year. Like, they're not paying him anything. And then it was a two for eight with a team option. So, like, you don't have to necessarily do, you have to move him now. But, like, looking forward, you're like, oh, we really like Frank Jatson, but we don't necessarily see him in his future. Maybe you package him in a second rounder for a late first. I don't know. I you know what I mean. Like, or you're like, oh, Hamity, that was a nice move. We really liked him but we like this guy at 23, like a big, I like, I can't even, I'm trying to think of a big that they could get at the back end, back end of this draft. But like,
2: yeah, I don't even know what,
1: yeah, but like maybe like Isaiah Jackson out of Kentucky, who was a kid who was from Michigan, went, he was from Pontiac. I think he went to the Warren Mott for some reason. He played with LaMelo at Spire, but uh, you get like Isaiah Jackson, like another rim running guy, really good defender who you could pair with Isaiah Stewart. You know who he's going to be with. Like, I I, I, I can jive with that. Or you try and get, like, a a power forward who's maybe more offensive-minded than a guy like Isaiah Stewart. That's a, I think the next step for this team, if they're going to pick Cade Cunningham, is finding a big who can kind of, like, not, like, because it's hard to find bigs who can facilitate, like, a yokage and stuff like that. I'm not talking about that. Just a big who could go out there and get you, like, 10 to 12 points a game and it's like yep. a fish. So I, I I think that will be interesting to see how they fill that gap. But regardless of the draft and like, if they take Cade and stuff or they take Mobley there's a lot of moves still to be made with this team, this offseason. I think that's like, once we take Cade, I think people are going to be like, okay, they're done. They're done. I think you're going to see a lot of movement on this roster. There's because there was a ton of movement last year and you actually saw positivity and you actually have some sort of cachet with some of these players and actual value. I could see some moves being made. So I'm just saying, I, I I don't think they're done after this NBA draft. Unreal word cachet there for you,
0: Collins. Thank you. Um, I do as as I am seeing, as I am contributing to the podcast, thank you very much. I am seeing that the Pistons have three second-round picks this year. That's what I'm
2: saying. I goes to me. You could have told me they had one, you could have told me they had eight. I don't care. Pick K. That's all I care about.
1: Well, I don't know if it's next. There's one year where it's like, it's either next year or the year after where they're supposed to make it that kids didn't go to the NBA right out of the, like, high school. school. And it's supposed to be like, everyone's been stocking up to get pits for this draft because it's going to be, you're going to get all these college kids, you're going to get all these high school kids that are, like, trying to declare for the draft. And you want all the draft capital you have. I thought it was next year the Pistons had three second rounders, but I guess it's this year. I don't I mean, who knows? I bet they take a bunch of draft and stash guys, like that Servitas guy that played at the end of the year this yeah. year. But um I do like trying I would agree with you. I if second round I would go big. Because I like you said, there there is a, a dearth of guards in this Pistons backcourt. So I'll go big. I don't know. I I don't have a specific guy. I usually do to be honest, but like, I don't know. I don't have a specific guy that I would target for the Pistons. I probably will on draft night as the night goes on.
2: Well, dude, I've just been so I've been so just vision blurred about the first pick that like if the Pistons don't pick Cade Cunningham, I'm not even going to watch the rest of the draft. So I don't care. So it's like. I, I yeah, Rams. You got any thoughts to close us out? I know we've been talking a lot, but I want you to.
0: I, I do. I have. I have one question to pose. Um, by the way, they do have. They have thirty-seven, forty-two, and they have fifty-two okay, in the so second round. Okay,
2: so and forty-two are like good second-round picks. Like, that's yeah. Like, that's so I would expect. I would
1: without, like it's Aaron Henry. Someone. I Wow. I either, I know this is like a Michigan State Homer thing. I'm telling you, Aaron Henry needs to be good in the NBA. You put him in a good system, he will be good. He'll I don't even for... know if
0: I see Aaron Henry. Oh, there he is at 40, 40 for, to the Grizzlies. Um, I would my... love
2: him on the Grizzlies.
0: Put him on the Grizzlies. <laughs> here's my uh, here's my parting question before we wrap up. Um, we'll have to move on from the trifecta this week. But let's say, let's say all goes the plan. Let's say the Pistons take Cade Cunningham at number one. Outside of that, I don't really care what else they do in this draft. And I asked this question after reading, you know, you see Alavila's comments about how we are done rebuilding. We consider ourselves done rebuilding. We have the pieces. Now it's time to move forward. It's time to spend. It's time to acquire free agents. Pistons take Cade Cunningham at one. Are you now officially closing the book on the tank job, the rebuild that's over? We have the pieces. Let's move forward. And I don't know, again, you have, Guys like Mason Plumley, who are clearly not supposed to be pieces that put your team over the top. And I know Detroit is not a is not a high end free agency location by any means, but they take Cade Cunningham at one. Are you now comfortable in saying there is no reason to suck anymore? There is no reason to pull guys late in games to lose games like they would do last year because Collins, you made a good point it's you can't expect to get a number one overall pick anytime soon and i think if you do get a number one overall pick again in the next handful of years something has gone very very wrong so are you are we officially closing the book on the pistons rebuild slash tank
2: job i 1 million percent am yes but go for it. you you already know what i'm gonna say i got the pistons as the five seed next year so yeah
1: i just i there's not a if We saw more, like, if I'm, like, really, like, 100% bought in on Killian Hayes or someone out, like, Sadiq Bay had a really, really good year last year, but I still think he is a complimentary piece to a really, really good team. And your goal is to get to, like, a conference finals, to get to the finals. And, like, right now, like, even with Cade, and hopefully it's a situation where it's, like, day one, you're like, oh, this guy's awesome. He's going to be an all-star in the league. He's going to give you a chance. But, like, you, we're not there yet. It hasn't been proven yet. Well, I, I guess
2: I'll I, I get what you're saying, Collins, not to cut you off, but it's like there are teams that still need to add pieces to become championship contenders. No,
1: no. Like, aren't
2: rebuilding. like, the, like the Atlanta Hawks aren't rebuilding, but they, like, need more pieces. You know what I mean?
1: I get that, but, like, I still think – Like, we still don't know about all these young guys. Like, Stewart had a really nice rookie year, but, like, let's see him in his second year. Like, it's such a fluid league, and it was a really weird year because the majority of the year they're – like, say what you want. Having no fans in the stands matters. And guys like Isaiah Stewart who, like, can just motivate themselves, I think we're going to have an advantage all last year in games and regular season NBA games. And I think Sadiq Bay and rookies just had more to prove a lot of these standard guys in some of these games. So I, I don't know. I just think it's going to be interesting. I don't think they're done rebuilding. Like, you don't – you need, like, two or three bid-time bid players. And right now, like, you might have the foundation. Maybe Killian A's becomes a big time player. Maybe Sadiq Bay takes another step. Maybe Cade Cunningham's all you want. But, like, right now you can't say that you're done rebuilding. You lost, you lost the second most games in the NBA last year. Well, I yeah, I know, but if, if they you're do, trying they, to win though, Trent. You know what I'll say that you're not trying to lose, but I still think you're rebuilding. Okay. It's like a happy accident if you make that's the playoffs.
2: Right. Well, yes, so I, I that's where we disagree. But you know, whatever. Um, the sentiment is there, absolutely. But black no, and white. Like, you're I not see-
1: try, you're not at the deadline. You're like, no, what? Let's give up an asset and try right. and get Brett. Like, like you know what I mean? They're not there yet. They're just really not there yet. All
0: right. Fair enough. Um, NBA draft will be on Thursday, whether I don't know if, whether when you're listening to this, people. But um, obviously, off the heels of the NBA draft, we will have reactions. Hopefully, Trent is still with us, um, because if they don't take Cade Cunningham, um, we're going to have to make a trip to uh, to Grantville and, and, and make sure Trent's OK, Colin. So be Trent, ready to jump like in the car. Hat? Dude, I love
1: the draft hat. I, I don't it. like it, but we, I just wanted that. <laughs> oh no, Collins, I love it. I'm gonna buy it. Like, actually, someone sent me a why picture they of use it. That logo, it's a weird logo. Sorry.
2: No, that. Oh God, I'm gonna go on a tangent. I'm not gonna go on a tangent. But
1: I know you gotta go. I'm just saying, I wanted the, to mention it.
2: The NBA hats this year for the draft, everyone took two logos and meshed them into one. And the Pistons got lucky because they like. It kind of worked like some, some of them are terrible. Like, have you seen the Cavaliers draft hat? It's all, no, I haven't. It's the Cat, I don't go know look. what I gotta the Cavs look are doing with out.
1: their Jersey situation right now. It's bad over yeah, there. I, I don't know. <laughs> Le, Le, LeBron
2: leaves and you just don't know what to do with yourself anymore. I
1: do. I'm being serious. They're like city. Just go back to the light blue and like this rebrand. I don't know. It's just I like, I don't know what they're doing over there in Cleveland. Well, like, Malone and black just like does not work. Yep.
2: I love the Rust Belt. I love the Midwest, but uh the Detroit, exactly. Detroit's better. Okay, Rabs, bring us out.
0: All right, fellas. That's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown. For Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins, I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify. Follow. I don't know what the term is. I don't know if you subscribe anymore. I don't know if you follow. I don't know what the deal is. The bottom line is we are on Spotify. We are right. on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, unless it's less than five stars. We don't want it. I appreciate your opinion, but just keep it to yourself. Um, We're also on Twitter, at Motown underscore rundown, and we're on Facebook, at the Motown Rundown page. New episodes come out every single week. The Pistons are on the clock. We'll see you next time.